Gets Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, the official podcast of Off Tackle Empire, your SB Nation, home for Big Ten coverage and also Nebraska Rutgers and Maryland. And once again, I am Steve Braun, also known as Zorus. I'm with Andy Kuchewski, and it is my great privilege to welcome a Nebraska contributor, uh, Jess Collins, to our podcast because it's uh, it's you know, getting towards the end of May and Scott Frost is still the head coach. So we're talking about Nebraska pretty early. Ouch. How are you doing, Jesse? <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk about Nebraska football. It's, it's a thing that we've decided we have to do. Um, I'm going to fulfill my Nebraska, I don't know, responsibilities here and try and not talk too much shit about this team. Well, Well, it's okay, though, because once we're done talking about Nebraska football, then we're going to talk about Nebraska basketball for a minute. So everything will go downhill from there. It'll be like just sliding downhill on like a cookie tray or something. You're just going to keep picking up speed until you hit something. Uh, I got that uh, Super Mario 64 uh, slide music in my head now. But (laughs) anyway, uh, you, you know, when you say Nebraska basketball, it's so weird. It's like, well, there's the reason people say Nebraska ball, because... When you say Nebraska, Nebraska basketball. That was, that's a term that I'm not going to use until they're fun bad again. Like they were for the Tim Miles era where it's like, all right, well, at least their coach is a joyful, aw shucks kind of guy. And, you know, they're, they're gritty and scrappy. And once in a while, Teren Petaway just ruins your day. Um, but once we get ahead of ourselves, we'll start off with some football discussion. And man, Nebraska must have cleared out their storage locker of dumb ways to lose games last year, correct? Like, water has to find its level given how much more talented they are on paper than the rest of the conference, or at least the division. Um, and then, if it'd be a big picture, the Scott Frost era is, is a 28.5% win percentage good in conference play after four seasons or, or bad? I think it's, I think it's leaning towards bad. I, I don't know why I'm saying these things here on Scott Frost Day, though. This is very spiteful of me. <laughs> so, in a three and nine season, Nebraska lost eight games by one score, which is truly remarkable. And even that one loss that was not by one score to Ohio State was by a total of nine points, which is why. And as we, as the season went on last year, and we kept talking about how did they manage to lose this game again. I felt more and more like Will Ferrell's character from Zoolander when I'm like, this is a good team. I'm, I feel like I'm taking crazy. Pills. <laughs> <laughs> say it, I feel like, I mean, cause let's not forget their one conference win was by seven touchdowns. Well, I mean, y'all as a Nebraska fan, our three wins were actually all by multiple scores. Right. And I think, I don't remember what the final was, but I think we scored as many points as we gave up on the season, which is, Pretty impressive for a three and nine team, um, but like even that aside, I you know, I can't tell you one game that we lost that wasn't winnable in the fourth quarter, and that's the that is the life of a Nebraska fan. But like, let's let's take a step back. If we go back to Mike Riley, even we've been doing this shit for a hot minute. Like this is just ingrained in Nebraska football. Like this is. 
Clemson pre not sucking type levels of rescuing defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Cause I remember the season opener against Illinois and I remember thinking like, wow, I never thought I would see Nebraska lose to Illinois in a stupider way than, you know, the one where they had Tommy Armstrong throw it 31 times and including one of them when they just needed to run the ball. Yeah. The, the RPO back in uh, in Illinois, that was a, a super fun game. Um, no, it's, it, it's pretty incredible. It's a mixture of a team that thought I, – I mean, I think they played not to lose very often. I think Scott Frost is now officially in his own head. Not even saying he's a good coach, but, you know, he is probably not as awful as this record shows. But it's either an offense designed poorly or a game plan designed poorly, but they just cannot sustain anything beyond – maybe two and a half quarters it's uh third quarters were bad until they weren't and then fourth quarters were it was just a hell of a season it, it feels like you could basically talk about about every single game you only really have to talk about one game and then just repeat that discussion nine more you know nine times uh because you know i was going back through falls tarts just because it's always a fun thing to revisit and i, I remembered one time that uh, last year in the nfl that the seahawks by all means, should have lost on a walk-off safety. Nebraska didn't do that, but, you know, go, going through, like, I'd forgotten that down two scores to Illinois, they, uh, you know, with nine minutes to go, they ran seven minutes off the clock on a touchdown drive. Like, yeah, they're just, uh, the amount of, uh, they've, they've run through just about every dumb thing that you can do to lose a football game. I can't, I know we've already said that, it just, if you actually go through the season, how could there be any more? I, you know, the, the silver lining for me uh, as a semi-optimistic Nebraska fan who tries to stay rational is that a lot of it, I think, has been special teams. Um, you know, I think we can blame the offense, the defense, but for, for all accounts or all, all reasons, by all accounts, rather, the defense played fairly outstanding for a team that was backs against the wall, like razor thin margins. But I mean, look at the, I think the Iowa game is a, a perfect encapsulation by we destroyed them for two and a half quarters. And then we misdirection punt. Um, my friend, Andrew over there loves that. We're really good at that. Um, yeah, man, I... <laughs> give up a punt return touchdown and the wheels fall off. And I think it's a mixture of a tiny mistake that could have been okay, that ballooned into tension and feeling like we can't make any more mistakes. And I think, I know we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit. This was what is actually the Adrian Martinez problem is that he's actually a supremely talented human being. Guy can make almost every throw. He's fast, he's elusive. But his decision-making, and is this coaching or individual that remains to be seen, is he feels like he has to make every single play. And that's the type of person he is. And I think, you know, uh, to, I don't really even know a great analog right now, but the, the fear of, and, he, and in the Iowa game, it wasn't even him. It was that Scott Frost didn't trust, you know, his backup to throw the football, which was supremely not great. Um, but 
it was a team full of people feeling like they couldn't make mistakes. And if you feel like you can't make a mistake, you're going to make a ton of mistakes. Well, I, I do this okay. all the time in, in, in rocket league, right? If I give up, if I give up a stupid goal, especially if I've hit it in there, then I'm going to come out pressing even harder because, Oh man, I got to make up for it now. Right. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm going to come out pressing even harder and then I'm just going to make more mistakes. I'm going to make the mistakes I make are going to be bigger because I'm, I'm pressing super hard. It felt like that's what, what always happened with Nebraska was they, you know, obviously, yes, it starts with Adrian Martinez, but does it really, it felt like the coaching staff also had this thing where every time there was a mistake, they just ratcheted up the pressure to be like, no, well now we got to go even harder. We got to press even harder to where then it seemed like everything after that just just magnified that and like you know well, maybe but couldn't move on for example in the Michigan game I mean really the reason that they lost that is well 50% Adrian Martinez pushing too much for yards he didn't need and 50% the refs not blowing the whistle on forward progress they've gotten really bad about that across the sport the last few years oh yeah uh but anyway it's it is one thing after another. It's not fair to put everything on Adrian Martinez, but as the most visible guy, the guy who touches the ball every play on offense, and in this system especially where the quarterback is heavily involved in a lot of plays because of how many quarterback runs there are, naturally you're going to come to associate him with the success or failure of the team. But we're bearing the lead a little bit here because the Adrian Martinez era has ended in Lincoln. Um, I think he is going to be the most 21st century Nebraska player yet. Um, and he goes now off into remember that guide him where in a few years, you're going to think back and like, wow, that, that was a guy who's still you know, played, started for most of four years, piles of stats, um, so many highs, so many lows, but one way or another, it's an era that's over now, which means quarterback derby. Uh, so the candidates there, there's last year's backup, Logan Smothers, and then a couple of transfers. It sounds as though Casey Thompson from Texas is a front runner. And then you have Chuba Purdy from Florida State coming in as well. Uh, Jesse, is that basically correct? Sounds like it's probably Thompson unless somebody else takes it from him. Yeah, I mean, so you can't talk about quarterback without talking about the fact that Scott Frost, to save his own job, fired literally the entire offensive coaching staff. Um except Beckton, our tight ends coach, because our tight ends weren't terrible, it turns out. But, um, you know, Mark Whipple comes in from Pitt. It's a safe offensive coordinator hire. He just, you know, they're going to look at what Pickett just got drafted by the Steelers in the first round for no real good reason. Um, it, I have lots of questions about that. But I mean, there is an argument that, okay, this is a guy who knows the quarterback position, who isn't going to get his quarterback murdered every single play. We, the offensive line is a part of that. But some of it was Martinez refused to let go of the ball sometimes, too. Um, I think Casey Thompson is definitely the front runner. Um, you know, I've been watching not a lot of, you know, some of his film from last year. He's a talented guy. He can throw the ball. He's... They like to say he can run. That's mostly nonsense. I think he's capable of running. I don't think he is a runner. Um, and I think that that will be really interesting. I, I will say for as much as Smothers was the de facto backup, um, I'm wondering if uh, Purdy and then actually our, our redshirt freshman, Har uh, Harburg, Heinrich Harburg, who 
probably has a little bit more athleticism might end up being the, the, the third string by the end of this, but it'll be interesting. Um, if anything, it's just different. Um, I think the Adrian Martinez as that one guy is a, a very apt. Uh, I was looking at um, old Nebraska quarterbacks uh, who he reminded me of and like, you're, uh, you all won't remember this, but the post 97 pre like next run of like 2000, 2001, whatever, uh, like Bobby Newcomb, fast dude, tried, ended up as a running back at the end of it. Cause they're like, eh, you're not very good. I think Martinez will go into that, that camp. And I think we lost, do we lose Andrew? Did he disappear in the ether? It, it, it certainly seems that way. Um, <clears throat> well, of course, I think, 10, 15 years down the line, what's going to happen is that a lot of people are not going to be able to remember which Martinez was which. You're going to have to differentiate. No, 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 no. We're talking about the left-handed one. Yes, yes. The guy that seemed really promising as a freshman, but then was disappointing for most of four years while the team didn't win as many games as you thought they should have. You're going to have to narrow it down. <laughs> oh. You know, it's very, it's funny, like, Hindsight's 2020. Taylor Martinez probably deserves just slightly more props for what he he did. Yeah. Um, in that he did a lot of dumb stuff that you as a Nebraska fan wanted to slam your head against the wall. Um, but he was he he was really good. Uh, yeah. Guy was fast. You know the hard thing about Taylor Martinez, he suffered from a couple of problems. One. I think people will forever remember Bo Pelini chewing him out in the sideline and he just this stoic, whatever. And like, he just wasn't that guy who wanted to be out front and wanted to be whatever. And like his stats were probably better than they should have been percentage wise. No, but man, like that dude could run and like, oh, that yeah. was what they were trying to do. Team um, magic. Well, but that was, you know, the other thing is you always expect when somebody's really good as a freshman that, Oh, and they're only going to get better. Well, and that just doesn't always happen, you know, especially with a guy that's that's making a lot of it happen with uh, athleticism as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, being able to run the system really well. I mean, if it's a lot of that, I mean, they're, they're not generally going to get more athletic, you know. Right. And, you know, one of the things, and I'm actually going to look it up because I'm curious as we're talking, like, I think Adrian's problem a lot of times was just trying to do – the extra play he didn't need to do. And I think that that is what set him apart from being better than he was is he thought he could thread the needle or he thought he could get an extra yard. And it's like, you know, and this has been Nebraska's problem for a while, like no one to, no one to fold, you know, I, I think back to Tommy Armstrong and like similar, like again, when they would talk about fumbles or they talk about interceptions or they talk about penalties or whatever it might be, it's usually not for lack of effort. It's just not being smart enough to know that you can live to live, live to see the next down. And, it's so weird how Nebraska has been at quarterback for as long as I've really been paying a lot of attention to them for about, you know, a little less than 15 years where they've had these like really physically talented quarterbacks that always seem like they should be on the verge of breaking out and then never quite do. It's not like, you know, you have teams that, that, are disappointing and you know it's just like oh well there's just nobody on that quarterback depth chart but in nebraska there's always been a guy that you know has the potential to really blow up um but it just never seems to happen 
Yeah, on paper, we can recruit quarterback. Um, now, is it we can recruit stars and not um, recruiting for system? Is it that we can't develop? I, I mean, honestly, since Osborne, like even like Solich's uh, tenure, you, you can look back and look across that ecosystem of quarterbacks and they've all had like one fatal flaw. Uh, and it, again, is it development? Is it system? It's, it's hard to say. Well, let's talk about the rest of the roster, though, because this is not, you know, this isn't completely (laughs) driven by the quarterback. There's still a lot of other, uh, you know, of of other good pieces that Nebraska should be able to to, to put together. Yeah, and very quietly, Nebraska's improved the roster considerably just on the offense, um, bringing in transfer receivers, Trey Palmer from LSU, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda from New Mexico State, um, Anthony Grant running back from Florida state, a couple of offensive linemen, Kevin Williams. Um, that's an FCS guy from Northern Colorado. Um, Hunter Anthony from Oklahoma state is a guy that I figure is probably going to start. So that's, there's bring they're bringing in depth there. I last year, Samori Toure to me was one of the more impactful newcomers in the conference. I mean, Nebraska didn't always utilize him to his maximum ability, but there's plenty of weapons here and the line I think was hurt somewhat by youth at the tackle spots in particular. Um, Cam Jurgens couldn't stay healthy, but the fact that he went in the second round told you that he was talented. So this should be an offense. that has got plenty of tools for whoever ends up winning the quarterback competition. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the interesting thing, again, it's, it, you can't talk about just the talent. I mean, look, I'll take a step back. Like, we, we did the how many people can you get to transfer in game this year? And uh, I think that, that it's, a, it's a great plan. I, I think we're definitely seeing the value of that. But, like, this was also a team that had every injury that could happen at a bad time happen in many ways. Um, whether it was, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, Oliver Martin got hurt, and he was looking promising in that first game. You know, the – Against Illinois, he had, I think, had over 100 yards already or something to that effect. Gets hurt, out for most of the year, comes back, can't quite catch his footing. And, I mean, that's a guy who looks impactful in the slot, looks like he can, uh, you know, help his quarterback out. Um, you know, the running at running back, Gabe Urban, he was stud. He was going to start the year. He was going to be great. Freshman, gets hurt, out for the season, you know. And I think, you know, between that and to your, what you're saying, like Trey Palmer, he was good at LSU. He didn't want to wait. And I get that. You know, there's a million five-star kids at LSU, but he's a former five-star receiver who runs a 4-3-40. Like, that's a guy that just get the ball in his hands and see what happens. I'm curious what this new offensive approach will be with all of those guys trying to open it up, try to add a little bit more of a, a – a, not a pro style per se, but not how many times can we run Adrian Martinez on a QB draw? Um, And to your point, I think that there is definitely talent. I think the offensive line has talent. They've just never developed. Now, again, we fired every coach that touched the offensive line, except Scott Frost, which, okay, so there's that. But um, I think, you know, if, that all gels together. You're looking at a pretty interesting offense. When Nebraska's offense clicked, it could score points on almost anyone. It's just literally like it, it required such perfection. It just sucked. Um, but yeah, the talent is there. I'm mostly excited for Trey Palmer because I think 
he has college experience. He's fast. He's obviously talented. And he wasn't just leaving LSU to leave LSU. It was a new coaching staff there, obviously, but he followed his coach. And I think that there's some value there. Not to be too trite, not to be too trite here, but the potential of this offense reminds me a bit of, um, of like Oregon in the glory days, wherein Mm -hmm. you've got some really fast guys that they're going to go out of the spread. If they get, you know, where if they can hit the kind of plays that'll get those guys in foot races, then they should be able to just keep doing that all game. If somebody can't stop them, then there should they should be able to run it up. But in practice, that only happened the one time last year uh, in Big mm-hmm. Ten play. But um, you know, th- this is one of those things where you you rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic, do the do the typical. All right, one last chance. We're going to shuffle all the coordinators and much like Indiana, bring in a former UMass head coach to coach the offense. Yeah. And then defensively, you've got comparable levels of turnover, but it's more because a lot of guys ran out of eligibility or went to the draft than because you needed to bring in a talent infusion. Um, Some very good players, Ben Stilley, Darian Daniels, DeAndre Thomas off of the defensive line are all gone. Deontay Williams and Cam Taylor Britt out of the secondary. And then Jojo Demond from the sort of linebacker slash safety core all moving on um, a little bit more. So a lot of the transfer activity here is in the secondary, although fairly recently, I don't think this was really noticed by a lot of people um, landing Oshawn Mathis from TCU is a big get for frost on the defensive line. That's a guy who's going to start and play a lot of snaps from day one. Um, I would compare him basically to a small Ray Touré from last year. That's the kind of impact you should look for from that guy. Um, they have Devin Blue from Texas Tech, as you know. And then a bunch of defensive backs that really, even losing as much experience as they did, couldn't be much drop off. Um, Deshaun Singleton and Javier Morton from the Juco fairly well coveted blue chip type guys. Um, Tommy Hill, the corner from Arizona State. Kane Williams, a safety from Alabama. A lot of new names. You get to learn a whole new Nebraska defense, but the talent level shouldn't really drop off much despite losing all those guys. Yeah, I actually, uh, starting at defensive back, I, I like our defensive backfield. Um, honestly, it's probably our deepest um, position group in general, even last year. I mean, a lot of what made that, I mean, losing Cam Taylor, Britt, Jojo Doman, Deontay, like that, that hurts. Don't get me wrong, but Quentin Newsom played, started many games last year. was fine. Uh, Miles Farmer, very similar. Um, behind them, Braxton Clark played quite a bit. Noah Pulley Gates, former four-star All-American, you know, Army All-American guy. Like there is talent there. Tommy Hill was a kid in Nebraska recruited, couldn't get him to campus during a COVID year. He went to Arizona State, realized that is kind of a disaster, um, came back out and uh, got to visit. There are kids screaming in the background, so apologize for that. Uh, I think it's because what they really want to say is that Jojo Doman, boy, he sure had a bizarre adventure last year, did he not? <laughs> that he, he, you know, it... <laughs> It was interesting, like coming out of last year, he is many ways the the best-ish player on the team at any given point in time, flying around. But like, what was he? And you saw that he didn't get drafted, right? Like, because if you're you're looking at him, you're like, you're a talented guy, but like what what are you? Like what would you say you play here? 
yeah. <laughs> and like he played, oh my God, I have to tackle somebody. Something the defensive line didn't stop somebody again and or tackling guy. Was, yeah. Um, it wasn't great. I will say you, you're spot on in O'Shawn Mathis. I don't know if y'all have seen any or looked at it uh, in prep. You probably haven't, nor should you necessarily. But this is a guy who's a two-time Big 12 second-team player. He gets in the backfield. He can uh, play standing up. He can play hand on the ground, get to the quarterback. Like, this is a guy who's going to get drafted. He chose us over Texas, which always is a, a fun thing. Sounds like NIL collectives uh, kind of played a, a little part in that. I think I heard somebody say he got seven to eight hundred thousand dollar deal. So good for him. Well, that's that's a pretty um, good pretty good get considering that we use Texas as a unit of measurement with money. You know, <laughs> I mean, I guess we're gonna have to start replacing that in Nebraska with a dollar sign as well. Uh, that means you're coming up in the world though. So. Before we, you know, we haven't really been discussing specialists in the roster breakdowns thus far, but I think given the way last season went that it merits a little bit of discussion. Um, Scott Frost did relent and hire a full-time special teams coordinator after just kind of not having one. And, it, you know, it was, it felt like one of those things where it's like, boy, if he refuses to address that in particular, he is too prideful to survive. But the fact that he relented, I think, is a positive sign. Also hit the portal for an entirely new battery of specialists going down to the lower levels of football. So Brian Baschini, the punter from Montana, um, Timmy Bleakroad, kicker from Furman, and Brady Weiss, a new long snapper from Georgetown. I often forget that schools like Georgetown even play football, but long snapper is a long snapper to an extent. If you've proven you can do it in a game, it's probably an upgrade over what Nebraska was running out last year. I remember UConn losing to Villanova in football a few years back. Yeah, and it's like, what what sport is it? What am I looking at? I mean, that's UConn's peer, right? Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> when forced to bet between either of those teams, I might always bet against UConn. Um, 2008 Fiesta Bowl participant UConn. That's the kind of game where if you go searching for a betting line, it automatically redirects you to a gambling assistance line. Like, it's just like, no, you, you don't, you've gone too far. We're, we're, we're putting a stop to this. Uh, so we've mentioned a lot of the transfers coming in. Uh, in terms of the recruiting class, not quite as strong as the recent run of talent infusions, but you do have a lot of those players from the last few classes still on the roster and playing big roles. So it makes sense that there's not as many opportunities to sell for immediate playing time. Um, despite the fact that there's a lot of quality players in the defensive backfield, Jaden Gould as a blue chip corner prospect. You may also see Janiron Bonner, a four-star receiver on the offensive side. Those would be on paper, the obvious options to play right away. I think the transfers are going to have more of an impact this season in terms of new players, but I do have to say it has to be said that, the, the Cornhuskers' dominance in the all-name game is going to continue here. So we mentioned already Chuba Purdy through the transfer portal. That's good enough as it is. But also pulling wide receiver DeColdis Crawford out of Louisiana and then just finding a local gem, uh, Jake Applegat. You want to talk about being uh, an agriculture-oriented team and you've got an in-state tight end prospect named Jake Applegat? Are you <laughs> Applegat. I just – I love that. I mean – and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the the thing that I love about DeColdis, because I love DeColdis Crawford, I mean, he's good, which I'm great, but 
he just looks it, you know, like, yeah, like, oh man, this guy could just like clean up an NIL. He's just going to be like a marketing gem. There was briefly a rumor that his middle name was actually to ever do it. And uh, I I found out that that was not in fact true, but for a second there, I thought, okay, this, this, this guy is maybe the greatest name of all time. It is still pretty good without that little tidbit, but I mean, it, it carries on a great legacy of Nebraska with going back to DiCaprio Boodle and Tanner Farmer. Um, I mean, if, in terms of the greatest to ever do it, no one is ever going to dethrone DeBrickashaw Ferguson for me just because he was an offensive tackle. Um, but no, it's, it's again, been a, this is certainly the aspect of Nebraska's program where they need to emulate their success in this field across the rest of the program to really get back to where they want to be. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> our football bit with a run through the schedule here as we discussed with northwestern last week nebraska agreed to play week zero on another continent for some damn reason um that means uh, late august trip to dublin and of course we know nebraska's fans are going to show up and take over the stadium so Warren Husker faithful, we warn you try not to faint at the mention of the locals talking about socialized health care and their high standard of living is it uh, racist to talk about Big Red in the context of Irish people? I hope that that is a good crossover. Um, actually, like that's like going to be our marketing pitch. But have you been to Dublin? It's not great. <laughs> have you uh, been? To, have you been to America? <laughs> well, fair, fair. Like um, I looked at going to that game, um, and then I remembered that I don't love Dublin and. I didn't want to ruin either a Dublin trip with a Nebraska loss Northwestern, which would be quite literally the worst trip ever. Or um, I also just didn't want to go to Dublin. So I'm very curious who, who is going to that game. Yeah. I mean, of course, I mean, I guess we're in different places. We're we're out here in uh, the Detroit Metro, where as far as I'm concerned, like a lot of concern about gas prices, but the gas prices haven't yet gotten to a point where people aren't, taking like 15 second full throttle pulls on their hellcats in the middle of the night for some reason right i, I know if the hellcats ever quiet down a little bit of audio playback or at least i am is anybody else hearing that oh yeah yeah i think that's on your end my end all right um anyway um yeah i so did did Nebraska scheduled the Dublin game last year because I thought Illinois did. So the Dublin game was a COVID game, right? Right. Um, that was going to be the COVID year. It got canceled because the world was on fire. I mean, oh, yeah. still, we could go. We just don't care anymore. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we just we, 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 last year we cared about people getting COVID. But and now I we live don't. in Texas. That died a long time ago. Um, COVID hasn't been a thing since 2020. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> um, so this was a, a this was a Bill Moose idea, right? Go to Dublin, get the check, split it. It's going to be great. All your fans are going to love a, a trip to Dublin. We're going to get European fans, some nonsense like that. So that's how that got scheduled. I think Frost is going to be the franchise that moves to London after all. <laughs> <laughs> The, the London Cornhuskers? Yeah, all this I'm time sure. we thought it was going to be the Jaguars, but... Uh, the Jaguars. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could see it. You know, the 
the rabid fans who don't realize their team isn't very good. That that kind of goes into like at least half the Premier League. We could we can make it work. Well, see, it it kind of worked last year with Illinois because you know if you want to promote Nebraska as the local team. Well, what, what what better way to get the, the the Irish fired up than by saying, well, those people, our, our opponent is Orange. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. they're coming from Belfast. They're going to try to assimilate you again. <laughs> uh, it. I don't know how it ended up with Northwestern. I don't understand why we're still doing this. I, quite frankly don't understand what value this has to Nebraska or Northwestern. Um, and again, I'm not sure who's paying a crazy amount of money to fly to Dublin. Although there is a direct flight from Omaha to Dublin, which sounds like the worst flight ever. Only for this game, like, by the way. It's got to be like 10 hours. <laughs> Why wouldn't you right. All right. Moving right along from the great Nebraska touchdown famine, or really more probably we're more likely to see a defense famine um, that that was engineered more intentionally than you might think. I don't know. In any case, after that, uh, there's a match against a Dakota school, which just, you know, ask, ask your, ask your broken chair compatriots to, to the North, how playing Dakotas tends to go. It's just, that's one of those things that I, I felt like should have been in your orientation packet when you got to the Big Ten. Like, you can play the Dakotas, but should you? So, so hear me out, though. Give me North Dakota over all of the other three or of the other uh, Dakotas. South Dakota State, done that. That sucks. Oh, yeah. I don't know enough about USD. Let's just assume they're probably annoying because, I don't know, have you been to South Dakota? Terrible. Um, and then I remember Mount Rushmore and Waldrug. I remember those yeah, two things. Oddly pretty state, but that's about it. Um, but North Dakota is not very good. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, this isn't hockey. If it was hockey. Okay. But I, I feel okay about North Dakota. They're, they're a mediocre. Team if you team. must Dakota then that is probably the direction in which to Dakota. You do not want to get chased off the field by jackrabbits. Uh, you do not want to get steamrolled by bison. Um, very few people are making that mistake nowadays, which d- d- displays just a, a rare amount of actually learning from our administrators in this sport. It's also so, expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, you got Georgia Southern. And then Oklahoma, which I have no idea how to feel about Oklahoma. Of all the years to have Oklahoma in Lincoln, I I feel better. Um, I mean, their roster has taken a massive beating. I I know that they... Well, their roster is at USC now. Yeah. Uh, Along with every other good offensive player in America, apparently. Um, It's just incredible that he spent an entire season just like engineering a pipeline to his next job. Like, I mean, you could, you could pretty reasonably put together a case that Oklahoma should probably sue him for his salary from that season. Um, (laughs) But I'm sure that they're glad to just be done. It's incredible. It will be interesting watching like a Caleb Williams and in, 
LA. Like it's just, the whole thing is amazing. Anyways, I say all of that from a, I was really worried about Oklahoma. I still think they're good. I still think they'll play tough. They have more talent, et cetera. But I think it's the right time of season, four to three games down um, in Lincoln, a chance to get over the hump. If you're ever going to take a swipe at somebody, I think that's your swipe. There, there's really no good reason that they shouldn't come into this game 3-0. Just none. I mean, because Northwestern is just in a world of problems right now. Uh, they, they have not, you know, where there's holes on the Nebraska roster, they've patched them pretty well. Uh, I, I don't know what Northwestern's going to do, especially on defense. Uh, they seem pretty sunk at the quarterback position. Uh, nobody has much faith in either of the new coordinators that they hired in the last couple of years. Uh, that really should be a win. So they should actually come into this game. Although as far as how Oklahoma fans are feeling, well, I mean, Oklahoma fans have wanted to burn down everything named Lincoln for a few months now. So fair. <laughs> I don't even believe that they, I don't even believe that they're going to be willing to say the name of the city in which the game takes place. Um, it, it, I mean, again, Oklahoma has more talent on paper and just in general than Nebraska does. Um, even after losing an entire roster, even at, I mean, it helps when the rest of your roster was still four star guys. Um, but I, again, I I think Nebraska, you know, that's going to be a bellwether game on how far they've come. They can't get steamrolled. I don't even know if they have to win to be like, Hey, we have a chance this season but they have to look competent and they can't do stupid shit again. Um, Brent Venables was oddly kind of shitty when he was the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. uh, He got ran out of town, right? Yep. I mean, he did. He, he, I believe he won a Boyles award and then it was downhill from there. I believe that was how it went in Oklahoma. I remember the game. It was giving up 45 points against Tommy Tuberville. Uh, when he wasn't even trying, that's a fireball offense. Uh, for that, <laughs> and of course, you, you see, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Senator Tupperville. Yes, uh, well, yes, put some put appropriate respect on the him. only senator to ever get blown out by Tim Beckman. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, so the Oklahoma game is, as you mentioned, going to be an interesting inflection point early in the season. Um, if they get to 4-0 after that point, though, it's hard not to expect them to compete for the division because, again, like the West is going to be as wide open this year as it was. I, I do not believe to this day that Iowa won the division because they were an especially strong team. It was just because everyone else had some serious crippling flaw that prevented then Iowa, for the most part, played an opportunistic defense and said, look, we're just going to let you make mistakes and as we saw with Northwestern teams winning that division, playing mistake-free football is a good enough way to win the Big Ten West, or at least it has been. Isn't it amazing that Iowa has a legitimate argument as the shittiest West Division champ? Like, I, I would say that they are, even though Northwestern won it twice. <laughs> I'd have to think about that, but I, I suppose yeah. that's cool. I mean, so nope. at the, looking then at the league schedule for nebraska the crossovers are pretty favorable indiana at home road trips to rutgers and michigan 
Um, you don't want to go to Michigan in mid-November generally because they're built for that kind of weather. Mm -hmm. But no Ohio State, no Penn State, no Michigan State. That's probably about as good as you can get. Like nobody's going to get the crossover of Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland. Um, and then the home road alignment is pretty workable too. The only consecutive road games are Rutgers and Purdue, which are not exactly intimidating venues to travel to. Well, no. unless you really need to use the bathroom at some point during the game, in which case Rutgers is Rutgers is going to be a problem. Do you know what he's talking about, Jesse? He's referring to the time several years ago. Um, I was visiting a cousin in the New York City area for Thanksgiving, and it just so happened MSU happened to be playing at Rutgers that year. So uh, I took my cousin to the game. He went to a school that didn't really play football, so um, he had never been to one. I was like, yeah, let's go. Uh, so we got a game and all the bathrooms in Rutgers stadium malfunctioned. <laughs> so they were just directing people outside, like go use the porta potties in the parking lot for tailgating. Um, and I believe shortly after that, the naming rights changed over to SHI stadium or it may have been at that point already, but well, it's not PIS stadium. Right. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. So I should have known better. I should have known better. <laughs> but, <laughs> That was my Rutgers experience. And that was the 2016 season when an otherwise god-awful MSU nonetheless just bombed Rutgers into oblivion. So. Wasn't that the year everyone bombed Rutgers into oblivion? Maybe, but <laughs> MSU was three and nine. Like, that was yeah. one of the worst MSU teams I've ever seen. And uh, they still worked over Rutgers, no problem. So that was the Chris Ash Rutgers era in a nutshell, to be honest. And I'm just, I'm glad that I got to witness it in person. Um, outside of the one year where they won three big 10 games yeah which still feels like more of an accident than anything so we've gone through the schedule it's time to talk expectations i'm probably gonna find myself shouted down here but i like nebraska to win the division this year i like them to course correct all the way to a division title there is nobody in the west that has a stronger roster Again, like I just, the advanced statistics from last year tell you that this was not a three and nine team, that it was it probably should have won something more like eight games. And depending on who those wins came against, they easily could have won the division. I, again, Iowa's offense is terrible by design. Wisconsin's passing attack is going to be dreadful. I like to me, it really comes down to Nebraska and Purdue, depending on how the Boilermakers replace some big losses on their defense. Um, so yeah, I said I I think Nebraska is going to win the division unless unless they really are just that magically snake bitten and this finding ways to lose games thing continues. I don't think it can. Like it feels totally unsustainable. It's still a relatively small sample size. I think Nebraska wins the West this year. Jesse has disappeared from the frame because he's stopping yeah. <laughs> over to Andrew's position to give him a big performative slap. Somebody is at my door right now. I'm going to yeah. go see who that is. <laughs> Keep my team's name out your fucking mouth! <laughs> Ain't no one going to do that. I can't have it again. Like, it just can't. But, I, you know, again, that being said, like, because it's Nebraska, watch. They'll win the West, go 10-2, and two, and somehow their opponent in Indianapolis will be a 7-6 and six Wisconsin team. Jesus, thank you for that. Um, you know, I, I think the 
the blueprints there, right? I mean, look at what Michigan did in some ways. I'm not trying to compare Nebraska to Michigan, but you go out, you fix your holes, you say you got a plan, you fire a bunch of people. The blueprints there. I, I think the West is an absolute disaster of a like, not even of like talent. I think you, we we like to talk a lot of shit, but like there is something beautiful to what the Iowa's and the Wisconsin's and the Minnesota's to an extent do. But like none of them are like terrifying and like scary. Like I think for all of the the trash talking that you hear, I think each of those teams going into every game day thinks they're each of those fans goes into game day thinking their team is going to lose, which is <laughs> pretty much the the pinnacle of Midwesternness if there really is. Honestly. Well, I mean, honestly, you know, because yeah, it should sound crazy to say that Nebraska should win this division, but let's talk about the quarterbacks. I mean, Graham Mertz, Spencer Petrus, uh, whoever wins the job at Northwestern. Uh, at this point, we're taking Tommy DeVito over Art Sitkowski. Yeah. Uh, really, yeah. Aiden O'Connell is the only Aiden one of O'Connell those guys I would ever want to see put on a uniform for my the, team. The best by a mile. And then Tanner Morgan's just been around long enough that he knows where all the bathrooms are and all the opposing stadiums. So <laughs> I forget that Tanner Morgan hasn't graduated. Jesus. Um, I'm sure. He, I think he has. I think he's like. I think he's working on like his second or third masters at this point. He looks yeah. substantially older now than PJ Fleck did when he took the job. It's not. Um, it's not out of the question that Tanner Morgan is just PJ Fleck's portrait of Dorian Gray. That <laughs> that Tanner Morgan is aging on behalf of Fleck. That's that may be why Fleck has kept him around. Um, I mean, Fleck's getting younger on on paper, right? Um, I mean. The, those those photos are a lot to yeah he's getting younger on uh well anyway. i just can't wait for his hair to start coming back <laughs> <laughs> i, I, I want to just... see i want to see him in a uh, a hair shop like looking at like what what would my hair look like this like he needs those apps that they can add the hair and shit Come, come um, out opening day with just like shoulder length flowing chestnut hair. <laughs> I would fund that. I, I, we should have a GoFundMe for like hair plugs for for PJ Flag. Um, no, I, I mean honestly, well, he already I, took all of Tanner Morgan's hair. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do. I don't think Nebraska wins the division until they can prove they can't blow their foot off with like. I don't know. They're not even, they don't even a gun. They managed to blow their foot off with a knife. Like, I don't know what they're doing. It's just madness. But I do think this team is substantially better than three and nine. I think this team is one of those, like, and, and you know, again, we make jokes about Clemsoning, but that was, deep, that was the whole thing, right? Like, um, you know, until you learn to win and get guys who know, not to freak out and to like stay the course you just are you know somewhat destined to this like nonsense and as an Illini fan I'm not going to sit here and say that you're unreasonable for saying okay I'll believe it when I see it right yeah because oh yeah for sure I get it and I'm not saying it's a sure thing but when I look around this division um I see a couple other coaches who while they have done better than Scott Frost in the same time period, haven't necessarily convinced me. I, again, I, I'm still a fan of Jeff Brom, but they don't have the talent base that Nebraska does. Mm-hmm. And Jesse, it's funny that you mentioned the Michigan thing. Cause yeah, I think back 
wind the clock back a year when they had gone out, they had fired a respected, but definitely, you know, schematically vulnerable Don Brown, who was viewed as one of the better defensive coordinators around hired a completely unknown entity from the NFL. And a year later, that guy's back as the Ravens defensive coordinator. Cause it was an absolute home run hire. I mean, given what Whipple had to work with at Pitt, I don't think it's unrealistic to expect a quantum leap forward from Nebraska's offense. Their defense, as we mentioned, was very good. And there's plenty of reason to think that they've actually seriously addressed the special teams. I, I see a team that could take the biggest leap forward in the, in the Big Ten, kind of more like what Michigan State did in the record column last year. Um, mm-hmm. And in the West, that would easily have won the division. So... That being said, I've said enough good things about Nebraska, and it's time to punish you for our kindness. It is time to talk about Nebraska hoops. Um, I do or- also want to just see if we got in in we got a recording of. I, I think it's going to show up, but as soon as you said, I believe they did in fact address special teams. I believe I heard a child scream. Nah! <laughs> In the background, so I hope that comes through. But yes, uh, I think that was a bit premature because I think that should have been the real. Maybe I'll just cut it so that that happens after you say Nebraska ball. <laughs> all we're asking, I'm, I don't need him to have a huge net average. Just kick the right direction. That's all I want. <laughs> all I want. Forward, it would be a step forward. Hey, this is FCS punter of the year, by the way. We, we didn't mention that. Yeah, that's true. I didn't. I, I guess Hunter, you have your own award. Yeah. Uh, all right. So <laughs> we got to do it to you, Jesse. We got to uh, talk about God. basketball now. Um, boy, this is not working. Um, I like Toyberg's odds of success as much as anyone did okay. when he was hired, but yes. the numbers that are involved here, man, you just do not see coaching <laughs> start off like this and end up turning it around. You, you just don't. Um, I, I understand the school not moving on from him. He is a favorite son. The beginning crucial parts of his tenure were right in the pandemic. Uh, and I'm sure that made things more difficult. There's got to be a gigantic leap forward this year to justify carrying him on. I'm going to rattle off some numbers. And again, it's just keep in mind where he is now and what he would have to do to even get to 500. Overall, Nebraska under Fred Hoiberg is 24 and 67. That's a 26.4% win uh, win percentage. And in conference, it's even worse. In three years, he's gone nine and 50, which is a shade over 15%. So are those numbers consistent with their stat profile? Well, given who they play, kind of, yeah. They finished number 140 in the Ken Palm this year. That's a backslide from 109th last year and not a whole lot better than their first season when they were 162nd. The biggest silver lining here and the hope that things might improve substantially is that their luck rankings have been comically bad. Um, They've had rankings of 299th, 351st, and 306th. So it is worth saying that, yes, their opponents have performed better against Nebraska than they should have in a statistical vacuum. But there also becomes a point where it's like, well, maybe it's partially about you. Um, looking at the roster, you had the best recruit in program history, Bryce McGowans. He pieced out for the draft after a freshman season that was you know, high volume, but very inefficient. His brother Trey is still in the draft at the moment. I think by the time this drops, June 1st will have passed and we'll know if he's coming back or not. 
Um, a couple of guys portaled out, Eduardo Andre to Fresno State. Keon Edwards, I don't think, has a destination yet. They bring in a couple of wings, Juwan Gary from Alabama and Sam Greisel from North Dakota State. Overall, though, it's hard to look at the roster additions and subtractions so far and say anything other than this year's team is going to be less talented than it was last year. Honestly, the McGowan's leaving really felt like the end of this whole thing. The so 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 <laughs> I will start by saying that all of these things are true and in Nebraska basketball is is a deeply frustrating experience um, for pretty much every reason. And you know, I, I'm with you. I expected this to be better than it is, especially with the talent that was on the roster. I will say last year is a fascinating masterclass and when things go wrong, they go very wrong. Um, I think uh, Breidenbach uh, was a, a high four-star kid who Nebraska was really going to rely on to, to spread the floor. He gets injured game two? Game Very three. early. And he was game out. Game two, right around there. Um, then you have Trey go down right after that. And honestly, the and this is on coaching, there was no plan for how you use depth behind that. The the unwritten Nebraska, Nebraska basketball, Jesus, that is hard to say. Um, preview I had last year for the website, uh, Corey, please don't kill me. But like the, the tough thing is, is that, you know, on paper, you had a whole bunch of dudes and no plan. And I think the, what you saw at the very end of the season is Nebraska slowly came to some coalescing around an identity, some, like, hey, what are we trying to do defensively? It it started to show, hey, if we use our talent effectively, we can slow other teams down and don't have to sprint down the court with five guys who want to go make their own play. On paper, this is a less talented team than it was last year. I think not only that, I think there's, <laughs> Jesus, there's a, a lot of um, talk around, like, why did we keep him around? But I, I don't know. I, I have some hope that like gelling around an identity can help. I think hiring a coach who doesn't just try to pay players um, slash recruit and actually wants to coach was a really good move. Um, you know, he hired an actual going to coach players on game day guy. That's yeah, that's that's weird. Um and, and I don't know, like, I, I think there are reasons to believe that the bottom was last year, not next year. Now, what does that mean? Is it you go from 15% in <laughs> conference play to 30%? Like, that's not great. Like, we're, we're talking to, like, get a turnaround. You have to see, like, a massive improvement. But, like, it's similar to football. I can't tell you how many damn games Nebraska was up by six with a minute 12 and then loses by two. The the Rutgers game was unbelievable. I I was I was stunned that they lost that one. I mean, I they they fell apart against Michigan with a with a late lead. That seemed like they should have they should have been able to control the rest of that game. And and then they just had well, I think uh, uh NC State game is the one that stands out in my mind. Four overtimes. Correct? Four overtimes with like no bench, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, NC State was wild. Um, I mean. Uh, early on, uh, I, was, I had to look it up. It was Western Illinois lose by one on just the dumbest set of circumstances. Um, 
players hitting like random shots at the end. Like, again, you, you can call it luck. You can call it coaching, call it whatever you want. I do think for Nebraska to be not shit in the future, they have to do what old, old, old Nebraska teams did. And it was create an identity and roll with it. And identity isn't, and some of this is just college basketball in general, but your identity for a school that's not a basketball school can't be try to play hero ball and pray to God it works. I mean, that was Miles' fall at the end, right? Like his best teams were Petaway scoring 60 or something stupid for no good reason, hitting like behind the back shots over whoever, you know? And I, I get it, but that can't be your 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 long-term plan. So um, so is, is this, is this like going to be the second year in a row? This is going to be the second year in a row where they have some guy that is a threat to go off for 40 every game, leave the program after one year. Yeah, it's Possibly. true after Teddy Allen moved on. Um, Price McGowan's was very fun to watch. He made all kinds of incredibly athletic dunks while the team was down by a 15 to 20 points. Well, it, it just... Again, it's it's telling that they were at their best at the end of the year. He was nicked up, and they started rotating in just a, a lot more role player type guys. I, again, I I think Hoiberg suffers from a lot of things that coaches like him suffer from, and believing that what worked ten years ago works today, um, and not adapting to where the game is, where his conference is. I think this is Scott Frost's problem to an extent, like. I, I have to bring in my coordinator, my whatever. And, and I think if they can adapt, they can be fine. But like egos are a hell of a drug. And I just don't know if this team is constructed in such a way. Now, like, look, Miles didn't exactly leave anything to build on either. Like Miles was a good dude, but like firing him wasn't the wrong move by any stretch of the imagination. But um Hoiberg has shown no ability to adapt yet. And I, I, I think that's the more concerning, like the record sucks, but like your offense isn't working, trying to sprint with guys who can't play defense isn't working. Like you have to get a defensive stop to get a transition bucket. And I, I don't, I don't know if that will change. I think like we just had the football conversation where there's like some real, like, okay, there were like sparks of joy for me at least, but like, Basketball, it was, if they won, they won in spite of something. Um, and I, I think that that's scary to me. And what's, what's frustrating is that all this, they built towards the end of last year, where then they what they won like three of their last four, including the, the one I'm eternally grateful for to take on Wisconsin, the time that Fred Hoiberg finally did something for basketball fans based in the state of Illinois. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you have that. But now it feels like you're almost starting over because there's so much roster turnover. It is yeah. worth pointing out, however, that that roster turnover did get them, again, when you talk about all-name team, Denim Dawson, guys. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Spelled yeah, too. That dude is that, – that kid's fun. Again, unfortunately, he comes from the long line of guys who can make a play, and I'm not convinced uh, will – actually be good but uh he'll at least be fun personally all i want out of nebraska basketball is to see casey tomanaga play because he is my favorite player he is red bull on the court he's not very good by any stretch of the imagination um but my god that 
he annoys the living shit out of me, which I'm sure is why you like him so much, right? He, I love him if he was on my team. He is a joy. He is, he, I mean, I watched him in the Olympic three on three for Japan and he is just a annoying son of a bitch. And like, <laughs> he, he, he will, and it's not even in like a dirty way. He's just annoying because he is like literally Red Bull on the court. <laughs> well, he, he made Andre Curbelo, uh, like lose his mind while he was just like in street clothes on the bench and got like, he got like teed up because he kept, he kept somehow leaning into like the free throw lane while we were shooting and like waving his, like without the ref noticing somehow. And, and he kept doing this until Curbelo got teed up while not even being dressed to play the game. <laughs> He's, he is the embodiment of a four-year-old in a candy store <laughs> whose parents have never reprimanded him. And like, look, if he can get his shot back, he's a very good player to have on a team. But beyond that, he's just such an annoying dude, and I love it. He's been my favorite Nebraska player in a very long time. And that, you, like, you need that kind of guy to play basketball in the Big Ten. That's a key absolutely. piece that any competitive Big Ten team needs. But you need a lot more to fill up the house that Tim built. Oh, you know what? It's super stupid, and we can pretty much end on these things. Nebraska still had one of the highest attendance rates in the nation, partly because Nebraska fans have, I mean, the joke of what else are they going to do? Fair. Um, I live in Texas for a reason. It's fine. Um, But fans will come. I would just love for them to be rewarded for coming. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that is the thing is despite the results, there is still, I don't know if you could call it a belief in the team to succeed, but there's still a, there's still meaningful support for the team and the program and, and very much a desire for them to, for all of this struggle to bear fruit. It, it feels like if there is even the slightest step forward, uh, I, I do not think Hoiberg has lost the fan base um, or, or turned them off because as you said, at some point, even Nebraska fans would stop coming if the, if the program had lost them. Absolutely. And, you know, my hope is, despite all of this nonsense that is Nebraska sports, that there is a eventual payoff for, for some of these teams. I think there's some DNA there that they know how to win somewhere. I don't know, but we'll see. It's fun. <laughs> Basketball. Jesus. We got you on. We had to do it to you. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's it, it, fine. It is not every day you can talk to somebody with firsthand knowledge about Nebraska ball. Uh, without actually venturing into the state. Oh, I mean, y'all, yeah, we, we, yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I, my, I've been watching Nebraska basketball since I was like a four or five year old. I remember my dad listening to games on the radio and I want them to be good so bad. (laughs) I really do. How about that for this podcast though? We also had a diehard Penn State hoops fan on the podcast. Now, if you go back and listen to those episodes, just get to know his voice because I'm sure it's one of the three or so that you can always hear in the mausoleum that is uh, what? Whatever they can uh, I, I don't think Ellie lives in a place where he can be anywhere close to the to those games. Like, it's not, like no, those, nobody's <laughs> making any noise there anyway. Yeah, I don't think uh, many in-person games happen for him anymore. But yeah, it's, it's funny, man. We, we have to kick and scream to get fans of the teams that win stuff on this podcast but 
we had a Vienna, we have Northwestern, we got Nebraska. So <laughs> it's just the way how things go. Anyway, we will conclude this week then on that note. We thank you all for tuning in for Nebraska Week and make sure to return to Off Tackle Empire. It's Illinois time soon. Can't wait! Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!